Welcome to Parker's Podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. This morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And I want to I show us this morning the principles for a winning life. Because I believe too many times in life, folks, we're just going through the motions. And so I want to challenge you this morning to look at God's Word, not because I say it, but because God says it, and ask yourself, is this what I'm doing? Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 21 all the way through chapter 2, verse 4, and then we're going to look at some principles for a winning life. Paul's writing to the church. He says, for to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part and be with Christ, and that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but a salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, that's a long scripture, but I want to point out some very simple principles that I guarantee you, if you apply to your life, you'll have a winning life. Not a winning life according to the world, but according to God. I want you to see some things here. In fact, the first thing I want you to see is what Paul says. He says, for me to live is Christ. Paul says the first thing we have to understand, the first principle that we have to apply is that we have to give up. Now that flies in the face of everything else that we hear in this world today. But Paul makes it very clear, if we are going to be a follower of Christ, if we are going to win in life, that we have to be willing to give up. That means total surrender. As you look at that scripture, we need to understand that if we are going to experience a winning life, we have to be willing to give up. Last week, Brother Mac alluded to the rich young ruler. I want to bring that up again. You remember what happened to him? He came to Jesus and he said, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. He said, great, I've done that. He was a good guy. Jesus said, there's one more thing that you need to do. He said, you must give up your possessions, sell them, give them to the poor, And then follow me. And listen to verse 22. It's not going to be up on the screen. Matthew 19, verse 22. It says, but when the rich young ruler heard this statement, he went away grieving 
for he owned many possessions. You see, the rich young ruler wasn't willing to give up. He wasn't willing to give all. The Bible makes it very clear, folks, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we've got to be willing to give up. Listen to this scripture. Luke 9, 23. Jesus Jesus is talking here. He says, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross monthly and follow me. One of you caught that. Is that right? No, take up your cross daily. He said, you must be willing to give up. Deny yourself. This is not natural. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There is no way that you can do this on your own. Without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no way you're going to be able to give up on your own. That is not human nature. It is not natural. You can't walk out of here today and say, okay, I'm going to give up. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can try all you want to. There's no way to do it. Our human nature will not allow that. It is only through a relationship with Christ. And and as I was looking at this scripture, I couldn't help but ask myself, is there anything in my life that I've taken back? Is there anything in your life that you've taken back today? Is there anything that you're holding out on? Anything that you maybe say, well, God, I'm going to give you 99%, but I'm not going to give you that. If that's the case, then you haven't given up. John 10.10 tells us this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and what? Have it more abundantly. If you want to have a winning life, you've got to understand. I have to understand. We have to be willing to give up. That's 100%, not 99. 100% be willing to give up. But I want you to look back in verse 27 and 28. There's another principle. Not only must we give up, Verse 27 says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents. Paul is saying here, listen, not only do you have to give up, you've got to change your way of thinking. The first principle is to give up. The second principle is to get away. You say, what in the world are you talking about getting away, Gary? See, listen, folks, we get into habits. We get into ruts. We get into, in fact, I think Brother Mac may have said this a couple weeks ago. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends knocked out. How many of you in here, be honest, like routine? You like to do the same thing. Like to be in a, thank you for raising your hand. One, one person, be, we all like that. Our human nature is for us to be comfortable. But the problem is, When we get into routines and habits, we start seeing things like the world. Listen to me. The world is going to steer you in the wrong direction. The world today is telling us, hey, we don't want any part of that. And if we don't get away and have his perspective, then we're going to miss it, and there's no way we're going to win in life. You say, well, Gary, how do you know that? Glad you asked that. Colossians 2.8. See to it. Paul says, see to it. That no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. 
What Paul is saying here is if you're not careful, the world's perspective is going to kill you. The world's perspective is going to cause you to lose ultimately. And you think about it today. The world doesn't want to hear anything about Jesus. The world doesn't want to hear anything about what God's doing. They want you to keep that personal. That's something you can't talk about. That's something you can't have any part of. You know what? The world is doing a good job so far because we've kept our mouth shut for too long. And it's scary. We, we talk about what's going on in our world and how bad things are going. You know what? Part of the problem is the reason we're not winning is we've kept quiet. We've lost the perspective that God has. Now, you've ever been in a situation where you just say, I just got to get away and see things for what they really are? A few years ago, we had gone home to see family, and Julie was over in uh, Baby Net with her mom, and I'm going to get in trouble for telling this, but I, that's why I'm not looking over this direction. Um, she was in the Kmart, and she was with her mom and shopping, and her mom, her mom was a shopaholic, so they're always shopping for something, and she saw one of her old friends from high school. And you know how girls do, oh, I haven't seen you in forever, and they're hugging each other. And Julie knew, because they had been keeping up through her mom, that she was going to be having a baby. And so Julie, her loving self, walks up to her and pats her on the belly and says, hey, girl, when are you going to have that baby? Now, when she said that, her mom immediately went to the other side of the store. And the girl's response was, I had the baby two months ago. You ever seen Southwest commercials, want to get away? (laughs) Well, that was hard to recover from. But that's what she needed to do was to get away because her perspective was way off. And in life, too many times, we lose perspective of what God really sees. Instead of us getting all worried about what's going on in the world, what does God see? Do I see what he sees? If I'm going to win, if I'm going to have a life that makes an impact, then I've got to be able to see from his perspective. But that's not the only thing that Paul points out. He points out that we need to also see with his purpose. We need to see that God is bigger than us. Say, well, Gary, how do you know that? Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. You hear that? See your good works and what? Glorify people? No. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. We have to understand that we don't understand. Does that make sense? I don't understand God's purpose all the time. There are a lot of times in life, if I be honest, and maybe you've been in the same boat, I would probably do it a little different. Especially in my life, you know, I would like everything to be all compartmentalized. And, and when things start to get tough, I could just sort of move some things out of the way and everything will be fine. Right? Some of you are like, well, yeah, no. We would all do that. None of us, well, hey, God, I want some tough things to happen in my life today. But too many times we forget that God has a purpose, just like that verse there. I was reminded of that this week. I was talking to our learning center director, Candace. We were just talking about some different things, and a mom came and picked up her little girl. And she said, you see that lady there? She was walking off with her, with her little girl and just as cute as a button. And, and uh, she said, she came up to us before she started, just in tears. And she said, I want you to teach my daughter to make her smart because I'm not. 
I want you to teach her to be smart. And I want you to teach her about Jesus. Now, I want you to hear that. She said, I want you to teach her about Jesus. Folks, we have a learning center down there. We have parents bringing their children, asking us to teach them about Jesus. Is that ministry? That's like God saying, here, man, there's low-hanging fruit. And I was complaining the other day because I moved my office up to the third floor, and I had forgotten something, and I had to go all the way back up the steps. And it was inconvenient. Well, so what? God's not worried about me being a little bit inconvenienced having an office on the third floor. He's more concerned about that little girl learning about Jesus. So when I lose sight of my purpose, that doesn't change God's mind. And if I'm going to live a life that's winning, I have to keep the right perspective, and I have to keep his purpose in mind. And it reminds me of the story of a little boy who was walking on the downtown street, a small town, and he saw the pet shop that he'd been wanting to go to, and there was a sign in the window, puppies for sale. And, man, he walked in that store with a big smile on his face. And, mister, you, you have puppies for sale? He said, yes, son, we do. He said, how much are they? He said, well, they're anywhere from 30 to $50. He said, well, I've got some money with me. Can I see them? He said, yeah, you can see them. So he whistled. And when he whistled, the mama dog came running out. Her name was Lady. And five little furballs came bebopping behind her. And then one more right behind that one. And when the little boy saw that one tagging behind, he said, how come that dog's so far behind? What's wrong with his leg? And he said, well, the vet came and saw him the other day and explained to us that he was born without a hip socket. And so he'll never run and, and jump like the other ones. He's always going to be a little bit behind them. A little bit slower. The little boy said, mister, that's the puppy that I want. He said, son, you don't, you don't want that puppy. He, he's not going to run like all the other dogs. He's not going to be able to keep up with you. He's not going to be able to do the things that the normal dogs do. You don't really want him. In fact, if you want him, I'll just give him to you. Well, when he said that, the little boy got mad at him. He said, mister, and he pointed his finger. He said, let me tell you something. That little puppy is worth just as much as any of those other puppies. I told you I would buy him. And he opened his, his pocket up. He pulled his money out. He had $2.37. He said, I will give you this money today, and I'll pay 50 cents a week until I paid for that puppy. And the pet owner looked at him and said, well, son, I told you, you don't have to pay for him, but you really don't want this puppy. He's not going to be able to keep up with you. He's not going to be able to run. He's not going to be able to jump. He's not going to be able to do the things that you're going to want him to do. And without saying another word, the little boy tapped him on the leg and pulled his pants leg up. And when the man looked down, he saw a little twisted left leg with a metal brace. He said, mister, I don't run too well either. And I figure that puppy's going to need Someone that understands. He got the message. You see, the pet owner missed the whole thing because that little boy had a different purpose. And isn't it the same way with God? We can't see why things are happening, but he has a different purpose in mind. We've got to be willing to give up, and we've got to be willing to get away if we're going to have a winning life. But I want you to see something else. I want you to look in chapter 2 
at the end of verse 2 and following at what we have. The end of verse 2 says, intent on one purpose, okay? So we end there. Verse 3 says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. We've got to be willing to give up. We've got to be willing to get away. And the third principle is we've got to be willing to get in. Get in what? We've got to be willing to get in the fight, the fight for people. You see, Paul's saying, listen, if you are going to live the life that God calls you to live, you've got to be willing to fight for people. People have to be more important. The most important person in this room is the person sitting on either side of you or behind you or in front of you. I didn't say that. God said that. Paul is reminding us here of how important it is. Listen, there are people today that are waiting for you to answer God's call so that you can be the example that they need to see. They don't know it, and maybe you don't know it. But it doesn't change the fact that we have to be willing to get in and make a difference. Listen to this scripture, Matthew 4, 19. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people that you like, right? He didn't clarify that. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, Gary, I'll make you fishers of men that you like to be around or people that you are comfortable with or people that are just like you. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Which men? He's talking about male and female. It's the ones he picks out. Now, I want to ask you something. Some of you come on Wednesday nights. Some of you are in small groups, your Sunday school classes, your life groups. And I see lists all the time. There's something I'll tell you about this church. This is a praying church. Would you all agree with that? Okay. And what I'm getting ready to say, you better hear me say it right. Don't you miss this. Man, listen, we have lists. We, ha- we pray for everything. Man, I see these lists and so-and-so sick and this person's in the hospital and this person's trapped. We pray for all those things. Listen to me. Those things are super important. I did not say we're not supposed to pray for those. Are y'all hearing me? Okay, I want to make sure I don't get misquoted here. But when's the last time you've put somebody, and you don't have to put their name, but hey, my neighbor or my coworker or my friend, they don't know Jesus And if they die tomorrow, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And if I know they're lost, then guess what? It's not the devil who revealed it to me. God did. When is the last time we've had a prayer list full of people that are dying without Jesus? Or they walked away from God and they're struggling? I didn't say we're not supposed to pray about those other things. But we need to be just as adamant about winning people to Christ as we are about getting them out of the hospital or getting them healed or praying for their safe travel. Get what I'm saying? Because when I look at this, God doesn't give me a way out. Now, if, I, if my big toe's hurting, I'm going to pray, God, fix my big toe because I can't walk without my big toe. That hurts. But God's not near as concerned about my big toe as he is my neighbor coming to know Jesus. Because I can go to heaven without my big toe, but he can't go to heaven without Jesus. You hear me? 
And we need to remember that. Here's a question for us this morning. Are you in this life just to survive? Are you in this life just to survive or to make an impact? Too many times as believers, as Christians, we go through life and, and we're just trying to survive. Oh, I'm just trying to make it through. I was telling our young adults the other night, sometimes we go through life, and I'm guilty of this, but I make the Christian life sound like it's terrible. Would somebody look at me and say, yeah, I want what he has, or oh my goodness, man, he's miserable. He asked Jesus in his life, and then everything's terrible. I mean, no, it's not that way. We can talk about sports. If I ask you your favorite team right now, I could get some cheers and some boos. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about politics. But why is it hard for us to have a conversation with people about who Jesus is? Well, they may think something about me, or they may feel uncomfortable, or they may be offended. You know what? I may be offended that you're talking to me about Jesus and telling me if I don't have Jesus, that if I die without him, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. But you know what? If you don't tell me, what's going to happen? I had no choice. I had no chance. And we have to understand that that is super important. Listen to what Paul says. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save all. Y'all already figured out I misquote Scripture bad, don't I? What does it say? By all means save who? Some. That means that everybody's not going to listen to you. Paul said that by all means, I might save some. When you talk to people about Jesus, that doesn't mean that they're going to accept what you're saying. You may be the first step in 15 before that person accepts Christ. But folks, if it doesn't break our heart as believers that there are people dying without Jesus, well, Gary, you don't understand, man. They may get mad at me. This is a family member, and, and if I say something to them, they're going to feel uncomfortable. They may not talk to me anymore. <laughs> you talk to them about Jesus, they're not going to be able to get away from that. They need to hear. God does the work. But if we are going to have a winning life, we have to be willing to get in the fight. Because listen to me, Satan is fighting with everything he's got to take people to hell with him. And we've got to fight just as hard to keep them out. And you know what? I'm not going to sit back and let him win. Because you know what? My Bible tells me God wins. I don't know about you, but that's what I have to do. The Bible tells us in 1 John, excuse me, in John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That word love is very important. And it reminds me of a story I read not too long ago about a mom named Tracy and her little nine-year-old daughter named Brenna. Tracy had been teaching her daughter in Galatians the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, and those are sort of big words. And then she was teaching her about this verse. You love one another just as I have loved you. And every day they had been going over these verses. Now listen to me. She came home from work. Now, moms, you know how this is. You come home, and it's, and it's never the days where things are easy at work. It's always, you've had one of those days at work. You come home, and, and nothing's gone right at work. Everything's been crazy. And Tracy walks into her kitchen, 
and all over the walls, in crayon, were written love, joy, peace, patience. And, of course, she didn't spell that right. Kindness. And she went on and on. And she walked in, and she just dropped her purse. And she said, oh, are you kidding me? She goes over to the sink, and she grabs her wet rag, and she begins to wipe those words off of the wall. And as she comes around the corner by the window, she sees the little girl's rendition of John 15, 12. It says, love one another. But she wrote the word W-O-N. And her mom lost it. She began to cry. She said, at that moment, I realized that my daughter understood more than what I did. Because it is God's love that wins other people. I wonder this morning, does the love in my life, does the love in your life win other people to Christ? Or can they see it? You see, we've got to be willing to give up if we're going to win. We've got to be willing to get away if we're going to win. And we've got to be willing to get in the fight if we're going to win. And I was reminded of that this past week on Tuesday at our pace setters luncheon. I'm back in the back trying to run the sound, Bob, and I am terrible, okay? Y'all, y'all, listen, I can't sing. My mama told me I can't sing. I'm, I, I'm deaf when it comes to, I don't, I don't know what Melody Harmony Kevin was trying to tell me. I don't know. I thought those were girls' names. I didn't know, okay? He's trying to tell me how. So I'm back there worried about how to get the sound right because my sister-in-law and brother-in-law were doing the pace setter luncheon, and I knew I'd get in trouble if I did it wrong. And in the middle of it, I'm back there trying to get all the CDs right, and my wife starts presenting the gospel. I'm not paying any attention. And Kevin leans over to me and says, man, that was powerful. So we finish up, and I'm putting everything up. And one of the things that Julie had said in that luncheon was, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, please don't leave here today without getting that right. Well, these are all senior adults, right? I know we have some seniors in here that are a little over 40, okay? There you go. Everybody over 40 is going to go to heaven, right? Well, at the end of that, a lady comes up to Julie and said she wanted to talk to her. And Julie had three or four people around her. She walks up to me. She says, hey, can you talk to Miss Darlene? (laughs) And I sat down on the bench in the fellowship hall. And a senior adult lady asked Jesus to come into her heart. She said, I didn't want to leave here today because I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. And as I look at this, love one another. I wonder today, and this lady told me, she said, I've been in church. She said, I I grew up Catholic, and then I've gone to the Methodist church, and I'm here at the Baptist church. She's a member. She said, I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. I didn't have Jesus in my heart. I wonder if by chance there could be somebody sitting here this morning who says, Gary, man, that's me. I've never given up giving my life to Christ. Or I wonder this morning if there's anybody here, he said, Gary, man, I've been going through the motions. 
But honestly, I've just been trying to survive, not to win. You see, I don't know, and I can't do anything about it. But I'll tell you this much this morning. If that's you, God has you here this morning. Because he's calling out to you. He says, I want you to be a part of my family. Or I want you to come back home. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.